Failure is is real, but it's how you define failure. For me, failure is just not giving it your all and not trying your best. Athletes nowadays can learn from founders the journey as well in a different light. When you're a founder, you get told no a lot. Professional athletes, we, we aren't used to being told no. It might take seven to 10 years to see a return on your investment because you just have to understand the journey. Our new age athletes, it's instant gratification. You know, I want it now, I want it now, I want it now. You know, I want to be drafted. I want my commercial, I want my own shoe. No, you, you have to really understand. You have to appreciate the position you're in. You have to go take your bumps and bruises. That's the only way you really learn. You learn through your losses. Ladies and gentlemen, we have a special treat for you today. Uh, coming to you from the our, hotel lobby, the hotel lobby <laughs> in London, we had to get this person on the show. We had to make it work. So even though our video quality and production quality is not great, the content is going to be off the charts. We're told that the security guy won't take us out of here kicking and screaming. Yeah. It's a true honor to have him on. And you know, let me get the introduction right. So because we often have the saying that this person needs an introduction. And sometimes I mean it, sometimes I just really don't. People like hearing that. But this person <laughs> genuinely does not need any introduction because finals MVP, you know, multiple rings, multi-time gold medalist, has an amazing podcast with Evan Turner, which I've been like binge watching for the last like, you know, few days. We absolutely check out, right? Author of Six Man, which is a fantastic book. Uh, longtime friend of Anderson Horowitz, an investor of, I think, over 50 different companies, uh, if I get this right, which we're all going to get into. The man you want taking the shot if the universe is on the line. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, the one, the only, Andre Goodall. Andre, Woo! thanks for coming on. It is a pleasure to uh, be here on your show. It's a, I find it, you know, the hardest part is working with somebody you live with. This, this, this is... This is amazing. Uh, <laughs> so I applaud you both. <laughs> I mean, more, more to me, right? Yeah. I mean, I'm, I have to put up with this guy. So, <laughs> uh, all right. So, Andre, first of all, thank you. You know, I, I think like lots of us, we've seen you do so much on the court. Um, and, you know, what some people, maybe not a lot, know is what you've been doing off the court. And there's lots, but I think one particular area is how you've been such a plugged in investor, right? I remember, mm -hmm. uh, you know, this is going to sound like one of these, like I was at this fancy party, but and Adri and I were at like a fancy party many, many years ago uh, and I met him. And, you know, sometimes when you meet an athlete, uh, you know, you're like, oh my gosh, you talk about like this amazing play or you know, you're a fan. But what I remember about meeting you and meeting, you know, Rudy, you know, somebody you kind of work closely with is like how plugged in you were into my world, right? Yeah. So I went like, oh, okay, like this is, okay, this is somebody I talked to like a fellow investor, right? Like, you know, setting aside that you were on national TV the previous night. So we're gonna get a lot of all the basketball stuff, but maybe let's start here. Like, how did you get started in the world of investing? Like tech investing. Yeah, investing in startups and mm -hmm. uh, yeah, how do you kind of get into our world? Well, it's, it's quite interesting. Like I go back to, being like a rookie second year player in the NBA. And a big part of who I am as a person is like curiosity. And the more tech, financial, investing books that I read, the more I'm hearing about curiosity because you have to have a sense of it, especially when, you know, you're trying to do correct due diligence. You have to learn the business. You have to learn, you know, so many different types of uh, disruptive tech, you know, insure tech, prop tech. Uh, health tech, you know, uh, e-commerce, you know, spend tech. There's so many different places that it can go. And 
they all move similarly, but they're each unique in their own ways. And so you have to just love learning because it's something that comes up every single day. You can talk about uh, the blockchain, cryptocurrency, AI. Now there's so many different places that you can go. Yeah. And for me early, well, since the, you know, since I can go back and remember, I've always been studious and I've always been competitive. And so I've always wanted to be, I didn't always want to be the smartest basketball player. I always wanted to be that, but also I wanted to be the smartest kid in the player and in, in the classroom. And mm -hmm. so when I got in the league, you hear so many horror stories about, um, you know, financial literacy, uh, putting your trust in the wrong financial advisors. Mm -hmm. And, you know, once you get to the, the root of it all, it's not, it's, it's not on the athlete, you know, nine times out of 10, you know, because if you don't know, you know, where to get milk from, you're, you're going to buy spoiled milk more often than not, because you don't know where the good milk's at. And it's, mm -hmm. it's basically all it is. And for me, I just always was always trying to surround myself with, you know, smart individuals, people smarter than me that can lead me in the right direction, whichever way it may take me, you know, it's like law of attraction. And uh, I was able to meet Rudy, my business partner early on. And it wasn't a business relationship. It was more of a friendship. And you're just looking for someone to challenge me and help me grow as a person and just, you know, level up me just being a basketball player. And so, um, you know, just looking at stocks differently, starting to follow, you know, I tell guys all the time, take your Twitter feed, take your, you know, or X feed now and take your, your meta feed, you know, the meta feed is WhatsApp, it's, it's Facebook, it's, it's uh, IG, uh, it's real, so many different places. You got TikTok now, you can set your feed to feed you information that, you know, they say your, your six friends are around the most is who you become. Yeah. But early on, I just surrounded myself and surrounded information that would come in that would, you know, help me be a a better investor or just help me learn about what my financial advisor was doing with my money at the time. And, you know, slowly but surely you learn about bonds, you learn about stocks, you learn about, uh, you know, small cap, mid cap, large cap, you know, just learning of the basics. And it just led me to <coughs> you hear about, um, you know, you got public shares, but you also have private companies that put private shares and mm -hmm. you ask yourself, well, what is this, what is this private space I keep hearing about? And so, you know, from that point on, I just started setting aside time to learn about different things. It was like school of hard knocks. I mean, mm -hmm. just learning on the fly. So as opposed to me, you know, going back to school and getting my degree, I did take a bunch of classes to get towards my degree. But the things that I really wanted to learn, it, it, it wasn't for me. Right. And so I did some I did some internships. I did an internship with uh, Bank of America, Merrill Lynch early on. Uh, since then, I've been uh, I went to Morgan Stanley and did some uh, internship, you know, I followed Jeff Jordan and Andreessen. I mm -hmm. was at Monday morning meeting, mm -hmm. uh, following him around and just did, just shadowing folks and just trying to level up, you know, who I wanted to be off the court. And uh, it's been a long road and, and that's something people don't see. The work that's being put in and behind closed doors. This wasn't just yep. a vanity play to say, I'm cool because I invested in companies. No, I really wanted to. Uh, there's a mission behind it all. And, and a part of that mission is, you know, you're very well of it is, minorities participating uh, in this world that we naturally uh, haven't been able to participate in, you know, since the beginning of capitalism. First of all, I just love that you're an intern. Like, I can just imagine going like, oh, we have an intern, like, and then you walk in, they're like, I was not expecting you. It's seriously, though, you've been, you know, at the tippy top of the sports world, right? Like playing with some of the greatest uh, players, sort of coaches, etc. And what I like about you is you have now also been at, behind the scenes in the room where it happens. 
uh, of the business world, right? Like, you know, you invest in like Coinbase, Robinhood, the list kind of goes on and on. What do you think the startup founders and VCs that you run into could learn from Steph, from Clay, from Steve Kerr, and all the people in the sports world, and vice versa? What are the maybe the lessons from the business world that you kind of gone taken into the locker room or onto the court? That's an amazing question. You know, I think what you see in uh, our world is people don't see how many reps we put in. Mm-hmm. Like we we do it over and over and over and over and over again. You know, it's funny Marshawn Lynch, uh, me more clip when he's like, I'm gonna just run, I'm gonna just keep running to you over and over and over. And he just kept saying over and over. But the the focus on every single rep is is just like it's almost like it's your last rep. Mm-hmm. And so it's like this is the last shot you get to take. And you're going to try as hard as you can and be as as uh, fundamentally sound as possible to to make your last shot ever, right? Now imagine doing that 600 times every single day. You shoot every shot like it's your last shot, and that's the focus and that's the level of intensity that we approach our craft. Mm-hmm. And you see the finished result, but you know no one, everyone wants the result, you know the success. But you know when you show them the road that it took to get there. Steph Curry's uh, underrated film he just put out was incredible because it started out by with him failing. You know, he, he had like 13 turnovers the first game. You know, he missed all his shots. The team got blew out. And no one sees the struggles for him, to, like the journey it took for him to get there. Like he just didn't show up. The greatest shooter of all time. Like he really had to work at his craft. And um, I think that's something that um, founders uh, can see. Like failure is is real but it's how you define failure. For me, failure is just not giving it your all, not trying your best. And like you understanding the journey, like, well, you know, you, you're going to have days where you may not get better like you want to, but as long as you're giving it your all, you'll have success. And then on the opposite end of the spectrum, um, athletes nowadays can learn from founders uh, the journey as well in a different light. And when you're a founder and you start up, you get told no a lot. Mm-hmm. And athletes, professional athletes, we, we aren't used to being told no. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it's a humbling experience. It's a humbling experience. But at the same time, founders, you know, you have to you have to scratch and claw and beg for everything. Like you got to beg mm-hmm. for funding. You know, you got to get your employees to take uh, shares because you don't, you know, you try to keep your costs low, yeah. um, you know, with the salaries. Um, and, and then at the same time, it's learning the journey as well. You know, in our world, you know, it may take seven to 10 years to see a return on your investment because you just have to understand the journey. And as our new age athletes, it's instant gratification. You know, it's the Instagram, it's the, the Twitter slash X, it's Sports Center, it's, 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 you know, I want it now, I want it now, I want it now. You know, I want to be drafted, I want my commercial, I want my own shoe. Uh, but it's just, no, you, you have to really understand, you have to appreciate the position you're in, you have to go take your bumps and bruises. That's the only way you really learn. You learn through your losses. Athletes can definitely learn that from, mm-hmm. from startup founders. It's a fantastic answer. You know, I mean, off the cuff, that was like it was so nuanced. It like, To me, at least, I know the founder side of the story and it's totally spot on where it's a long grinding road, right? Like you just get told no so much. But every time you hear a no, you kind of it kind of motivates you to just keep pushing and mm-hmm. keep doing more and better. 
Um, I love that. For you, I mean, you're looking at, you're over 50 investments deep now. You're more serious than many investors oh, yeah. know. What do you look at when you look at, you know, say founders or opportunity to invest? Are, are there patterns you look for? Are there traits for founders that you look at where you're like, that's a that's a winning combination. That's a company or a space I want to be in kind of thing. What do you look yeah. for? And actually, I want to add one thing to what Alti said. Do you think you bring a sixth sense from what you do in the sports world where you can size up a human being, a founder, in ways that maybe we one of us can. can't? Yeah. Well, I joke about this one a lot. Uh, I have on golf gear. Uh, I don't get to play golf as much as I would like, but that's like my peace place. And uh, I joke, but I'm serious. You know, it's my excuse to get out on a golf course. But I spend one golf round with anybody, and I will know exactly who they are by the end of the round. Hmm. Because you see, you see, you see what makes them. You see if they're competitive. Um, you know, you want somebody with that competitive edge. So you want to see someone upset at a mistake like they should be pretty pissed that they didn't hit the ball how they wanted but then you get to see how they respond when something doesn't go their way um or you know you, you see if someone you know nudges the ball back in the fairway if they cheat or are they honest mm -hmm. you know they, it's it's so funny because it's just a simple game but there is a, a um a level of respect that a lot of like the great golfers had is like no i'm taking if i accidentally touch the ball that's a stroke no one else is looking but but me and I, I can know. say I got a par but I got a bogey and so you start to pick up patterns you know uh, how do they respond from a bad uh, shot or how do they respond from a good shot or you know uh, most good golfers are a little cocky mm -hmm. you know they can have egos so you you just see um, every end of the spectrum from someone on the golf on the golf course and and uh, oh throughout experience uh, I've gotten to know some people very well through golf and the other side of it you know people that want to do business with me i play golf two questions one why is steph so unnaturally gifted at all these sports and so good at golf and second like you steph jr smith like who's winning uh first question i i have an answer on why steph's so good at anything hand-eye coordination just go watch the movie the accountant yeah, yes, I have. It's one of my favorite movies. Oh gosh, it's yes. so good. One of my favorite. It's one of my favorites. So, I've, I've never said this, uh, and I don't know if it. I don't know. It's a compliment. Step somewhere on that spectrum where he's like this weird human being, where yeah. he sits ab above us all uh, with uh, his skill set. Yeah. So he's good at every every sport I've ever seen him play. He's good at, and uh, he loves golf. So you know how it goes when you have a passion and you're good at something. The great things are going to happen. So. That's why he's so good. And he played at a young age, too. That's a big advantage. Mm -hmm. uh, and who was the best? Steph is the best in the NBA. Out of all NBA players, he might be the best. Jerry West was really good in his prime at golf. He had some uh, country club records that mm -hmm. yeah. people don't know about. But yeah. Jerry West is really good, too. JR is a, a sandbagger. I like to call him a sandbagger <laughs> because he doesn't like telling people how good he really is. And so uh, he'll hustle you. Mm -hmm. uh, but that's a compliment in itself as well. I was really good like two years ago. That's when I was playing a lot. But I just been working. I've been working too much, which I, you know, I'll I work hard now. And then my ultimate goal is to buy my own golf course. So if I if I get a few more 10 baggers, it's if I've had one now, I haven't catched out anywhere. But 
if I get a couple of 10 baggers and I'll, that's, that's all I want. Like, I don't really care about the money. I just want my own golf course. <laughs> I, I think a bunch of people watching this are going to touch up their golf game before they play with you. They know you're looking at them. Um, um, wait, so I, just going back to the previous question, right, we were talking about what do you look for in founders? And, you know, you can kind of tell through a game of golf, you're probably looking at how competitive they are, how do they respond to competition? What else do you look at when you're like, I think I need to write a check with this, with this company kind of thing? Yeah, yeah, it's just seeing them on a human level. I know they've 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 heard no before. Um, you know, how do they take on um, criticism? Yeah. Um, how do they take on that constructive criticism, which is a big thing for us all. We all have our egos. Um, sometimes you may miss. You know, I was listening to an Andreessen. Uh, I heard uh, Mark Andreessen speaking on why they missed out on Google mm-hmm. because everyone passed up because of the founders or the typical. Uh, you know, the personalities didn't fit mm. the the investor. Um, but they missed on that just because it's like that. those are our personalities we want to invest in. So you have to be wary of that or you have to be careful that you don't look too deep into that. I will also say a really big part of founders, I think, I think it's more so, it's not how you get along with them, just the vision mm-hmm. and their conviction behind their vision. Like if they really believe in something and they just continue to fight for it, mm-hmm. you know, and oh, here it is. Not being afraid to admit what you don't know. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Because how do you have an answer for every question? Yeah. You know, you get some founders where you ask them a few questions, they have an answer for everything. And yeah. it's, well, if you're still yeah. short on capital, you're still raising, you know, if you have all the answers, you should be oversubscribed quite naturally. Mm. But I've found a few founders who they will say, well, be honest and say, I don't have the answer to that. And, and that's something I'm trying to solve for. Mm. And those are the folks I'm like, huh, it's like a breakthrough when you admit that you don't know something. Mm-hmm. I think founders sometimes have this weird idea that they need to say that there is no competition. There's nobody else doing this. That they're the only one. And they haven't answered anything. But the world doesn't work that way. Yeah. Right? Like things can right. happen. You definitely have competition. And you know it. We know it. And the more you can have an honest conversation where you're like, you know what? Those books are good. Or maybe Google can put a thousand people on this and destroy me tomorrow. But the odds are yes. they won't. And then we're like, okay, then okay, that's what I'm thinking. And at least I know you're not bullshitting me. And I think that right. that honesty uh, really, really that, matters. And also I think the older we get, I've also like really appreciate people who are humble enough to say, I don't know, but I'm going to figure it out. And uh, you realize that when you're younger, you you want to be that like sharp, bright person in the room who seems to have an answer for everything. But you all know, also know that it's almost a sign of immaturity. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's okay to say, I yeah, that's a great question. I don't really know. Uh, but you know, why don't I just come back to you on that? I'm just going to do some research and actually follow through and come back. Yes. Um, I kind of respect founders who do that and who will. I've seen founders who've like blown me away. They'll just send me like. I did this and I spoke to this other founder who'd done a similar thing and this is what like I learned from them and then I did this like whole research thing and I'm like, okay, like you took it seriously. Like I, I really respect that. So it's just something that through mm-hmm. through the course of years I've started to appreciate more. Oh yes, because we, we know we know it's true, you know it's true, and we get that. Okay, I want to change gears a little bit because when I think about this, I was thinking about the similarity between the sports world and the tech investing world. And one place is, you know, on the rise of podcasts, the one like the ones we're doing mm-hmm. now, yeah. they were like all in, like there's a bunch of others. And, you know, when I was reading your book, I was reading it last night, I was just kind of prepared for this, right? And I was kind of reminded of, let's just say sometimes some of the challenging relationship you had with the media, right? Like, you know, the sports media. Yes. 
Uh, yes. And one thing that struck me was we, in, I say we in the tech world, I think you're very much part of our world now, uh, you know, but we in the tech world have had a very similar challenging relationship at time with the press mm -hmm. that covers us. The dynamic is different, but often you're like, hey, that's not true. You have an agenda, you have a narrative. And over the last few mm -hmm. years in the tech world, we have seen a lot of people like the two of us, the law and folks, a lot of people, very, very different styles, all putting out their own content owning the narrative, you know, just being yes. out there, right? And in the sports world, you know, I can just, just take basketball, right? Like you and Evan, Draymond, right? Like uh, Podcast P, Reddick, who I think might be the, the first and the best at, you know, and some of this, yep. right? Do you think the dynamic with the, let's just say basketball, the basketball press has changed now because players you can just go out there, have these open, honest conversations with the peer that they couldn't in the past? Most definitely. You know, we, Evan and I were proud recording for season three which should be dropping in uh early early august so uh not august october october mm -hmm. so we're about a month and two weeks out a month and a week out and we were interviewing trey young and trey young has his uh podcast to the point he just started or he's been up and running and we were asking him what was behind uh, him wanting to start his own podcast and his response was just with his interactions with the media mm -hmm. um, and having his words twisted a few times because he doesn't speak a lot. You know, he's very soft-spoken, but when you catch him in his element, he talks a lot and he's very thoughtful and, and he, he's, he knows what he knows. Um, and so when you have your run-ins with the media that don't go so well, then you shy away from that. And I ran into that when I played in Philadelphia as well. It's a tough sports town. Uh, all athletes have to go through it and I remember uh one of the articles was uh Andre McNabb they said I was aloof they said I'm standoffish I wouldn't embrace the media it wasn't that I wouldn't embrace it but I had to put up a shield because I didn't know which angle the reporter was mm -hmm. going to go after with the questioning and I had some really good conversations I never forget um I did one for Sports Illustrated uh, uh they did a cover piece on me or it was ESPN and magazines what it was and it was a great article uh it wasn't ESPN I think it was Sports Illustrated mm -hmm. And I was talking about how good Lewis Williams was offensively. And it was all praise. And I made a joke saying, and we joke on Lou, we joke with Lou about his defense sometimes because no one can stay in front of you on offense when you're on offense, but on defense, you know, you can't stay in front of anybody. We just kind of joking. And the reporter laughed and he made a joke about it. And he was like, but the article came out and I got destroyed as like the worst teammate of all time. And even the writer said himself, he said, I didn't write this in this manner. But when it's taken from a third party and they, it was someone else took the line and made an article with themselves, it was taken out of context. And, you know, speaking to Trey Young, he said, you know, I started this because I want my fans to hear my voice. I want my fans to get to know me. But it's hard to do that when every interaction with the media is just taken out of context mm -hmm. or is not done in a manner that is good for me and my interaction for my uh, fan base. And so why not take the narrative and put it in my own hands? And also, there's some value in that. And you see a lot of athletes doing that now. Yeah, I think one thing would change for me is, you know, like there are some people I kind of got to know a little bit, like you, for example, but the others who I'm just a fan, watching the uh, podcast has completely changed my mind on them. For example, Paul George is probably the greatest mm -hmm. example. Never met him, you know, always thought of him as like a quiet, like amazing player. But when you listen to him on his podcast, like him at DeMar, or, I'm like, oh, this is a totally different individual than who I thought. Same with Dame, right? Like getting mm -hmm. Dame to talk about the trade or how he feels about not having a ring. I was like, well, I didn't know this was such a 
interesting, complex. I should have guessed, but I didn't know. I was listening to the Kelsey Brothers, fantastic podcast, by the way. They are like, yes, shoot the yes. shit. One of them, or the, both of them said, like, doing a podcast in some ways is actually harder than playing a game. I am curious, like, mm-hmm. you and Evan have done a couple of seasons. You guys are fantastic. I love it. Like, what do you now know about doing a podcast that you didn't know when you started? What makes, what is easy? What is hard? What do you now know? The uh, podcast is work, like real work. <laughs> Tell us about it. <laughs> like, like not, it's like nine to five work, like real work. And yeah. so not nine to five, cause we're around the clock and mm-hmm. you know, it works with Evan and I, because we're, we, we escape the, the harsh realities of being a professional athlete when we're around each other. And so like my spirit animal is Evan and then I'm Evan's like disciplined spirit animal. Mm-hmm. And so. I, I need that confidence sometimes where I'm too hard on myself. Mm-hmm. And every time I'm around Evan, I feel like I'm the best at what I do. Like Evan makes me feel like I'm one of the best basketball players of all time. And I'm like, okay, whenever I'm down, I need to be around you. And I feel like I, you know, I'm like Evan's big brother. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, Evan, like let's, let's, let's try this and, and, and try this approach. And so I'm like his sounding board when he's, you know, making, uh, some decisions. And, and so I help him with that. And so that's the fun part. So it doesn't feel like a job, but you got to do your research. You got to plan things out. You have to be hyper-focused. It's almost like a tech startup. Like, like what's your, uh, niche to entry? Like, mm-hmm. what are you going to do that no one else is doing? And then how can you separate yourself from the crowd? Because mm-hmm. obviously yeah. it, it's, a, it's, it's become a crowded space, but I think we all can exist as long as we're being very, um, organic to who we truly are. And so that's what Evan and I have been trying to do. And it's been a ton of fun, but it's, it's work. Like you got to record some days. You, I'm, you know, I'm, I might rather want to be playing golf, but this is, you know, this is a business now. And, and this is more than just, you know, having a conversation and just, you know, yeah. talking hoops yeah. or, or talking about what we're talking about. That is super spot on. I mean, for us, you know, we've been doing this for almost three years now. It started out like very goofy, fun and games kind of thing. And now it's become this thing where if we miss a week, people will like leave us mm-hmm. comments or send us emails being like, hey, I wanted to go on my run. Where's your podcast? Like what's yes. going on? And uh, so we take it seriously now and we have two small kids and everything. So travel through all of it will make sure that we have episodes in there. But people don't realize how much work it is. And we know this yes. because there are weeks that we want to give up and uh the, the thing is like, we'll be like, no, we can't do that. We just yeah. have to keep going. And so for us, this is very much like, it's more than a passion project now. It's something that is like, we've started this, now we can't give it up. Yeah. And we've seen so many people who would start and they started with us, they started after us, they would ask us for advice, it's all well-meaning, but then they just won't persevere. They would just like mm-hmm. give up halfway. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, do the first 20 episodes and then we can chat like you know we kind of are like do 20 consecutive episodes and then we'll like come back and talk through stuff so i appreciate that you're saying it's a lot of work because even if it is a hobby side project it still takes time and it takes effort Mm -hmm. no no i appreciate you i appreciate (laughs) you saying that because there's been a few times where and sometimes you can only see what you see And that you can get in your own way as an investor as well. Like I like something a lot. I'm going to invest in it, but it's because you're, you know, your vision is blurred because, you know, your emotions are attached to it Uh, as opposed to thinking, you know, does it follow the fundamentals of a business that's going to be able to scale? And sometimes you can be blinded by that. And so with the pod, sometimes I'm like, I'm thinking to myself, like, I think I know this is good. 
but it, it may not get the reception. Uh, like I had a few episodes. I'm like, these are amazing episodes. Yeah. And why do we? Why is the count so low? On oh, I know. Oh just, my oh, God. God. Yes. Yeah, the same thing. Yes. <laughs> or, or, or vice versa. The ones where I'm saying like, ah, this. It was. It was just so generic. It was just bland. I know. And now it was like it got a lot of hits. I'm like, what? I know. And, and I'm, I'm like, I don't at all understand how yeah. the, this whole world works. I'm so surprised every yeah. single week. You, you know, like I, I would never presume to give you advice on anything. But on this, you know, I would say the, the thing which we have learned is you got to do the thing which is fun for you. Because if you mm-hmm. burn out, right, like if you yes. burn out of the reps, everything stops. So one of the things I've learned over time is kind of like just trust my instinct. Otherwise, you just try psych yourself in your head, right? Let's say you somebody are like, I need to get to that story. I need to get to that spot. And, oh, this is a juicy bit. And you're not in the moment. You're not present. And, um, and also and, don't give up. Yeah, yeah, don't <laughs> give up, right? Like, and you got to, it's like, it's like, you know, it's kind of cliche. It's one of these, like, you know, you're putting the work when there's nobody in the gym. Okay. One question on podcasts. A lot of players have podcasts, right? Like, who is a player who does not have a podcast who you think will absolutely kill it and should have one? Oh, I got the guy that's good, but I don't want to say his name because I'm trying to, I'm trying to get him. I'm trying to get him. And I joke, I joke one time with Evan. I was like, listen, we got to get to him before he realizes how good. Okay, pick somebody be. else then. Uh, that that uh, can uh, be a secret. No, then it's an insult. I'm, I'm then going, it's like, well, the, not the best guy, the <laughs> second best guy. I'm going, I'm going to pick this guy. So Lewis Williams is so funny. Like he's a, he's a natural cool person and he's a great storyteller um we've seen it we're seeing it with jeff teague right now mm-hmm. jeff oh, teague yes. is doing really well and it's i love the jeff teague like i'm loving all the guys jumping into the space like, like you said before as long as they just stick with it and stay with it like don't jump in when it's cool and then it just it can just gonna get hard around episode 30 when you just gotta now you gotta show up to work like all right you got your best 30 stories now we you gotta keep it coming um, but I think Lewis Williams has a ton of things to say. Yeah. And um, there's another guy that he, I think they will be really well together. And so uh, I'm going to be down in Atlanta and I'm going to pitch him. I'm going to pitch him. You're going to be signing uh, some, you're going to be signing some folks up. I love it. I love it. <laughs> Iman Shumpert, like his story, some people are just yes. fantastic storytellers, right? Something you said recently, well, somebody went viral. So I want to ask you about this, right? You mm-hmm. said uh, Jimmy Butler is the closest in the NBA to Kobe, right? Like what? Kobe's Kobe's mentality. Oh, okay. okay. All right. We're going to cut that part out. We're just going to make this go vital. Like Andre claims <laughs> that Jimmy is the reincarnation of you see, You see what I mean? So, you know, Gilbert Arenas is one of the smartest basketball, pl- mm-hmm. basketball minds that I know. And I know basically all the basketball minds. And he has understood exactly what, uh, what I was trying to say. And, I knew it would get taken out of context because they would take out the word mentality. Mm-hmm. Um, what is the time to said, set the record you know, straight? Right. But I also said, you know, maybe it's last year, Paul George is the second most talented player in the NBA. And so people would say, you said Paul George is the second best player in the NBA. I was like, no, I didn't I didn't say that. I said he's the second most <laughs> oh talented. We, are, we all know who the most talented player in the NBA. That's Kevin Durant. And, you know, when you look at somebody just – their the physique, you know, their body movements, their skill set, you know, th- those two guys have no flaws. And so um, that's what I meant. And so, you know, when I'm talking to other athletes and other players, you know, it might sound like these crazy bold statements, but I'm speaking to our fan base and, you know, this is something you're missing and we can't figure out why Jimmy Butler keeps winning and going to the finals. Mm-hmm. And it's because he will find a way to win. He has this crazy mentality 
and he has this crazy confidence in himself that says, I will figure out a way. And I haven't seen too many athletes out like that. And the greatest athlete I saw in that manner was Kobe and, and Jimmy's in the same room. I, I, I love it. Um, you know, I'm really glad, just as a side note, that you're doing the podcast and you're encouraging other people to also do it, like get on the show, that kind of thing. Because in our world, like I, I know very little about basketball, but in our world, one of the reasons why we wanted to do this and one of my constant like frustrations has been how things get taken out of context. Mm -hmm. But also, um, for us, technology has been so good for us, right? Like we come from you know, um, middle-class kind of background, no business being where we are doing what we do if it hadn't been for technology. Uh, everything good in our lives have happened, including us meeting each other has been because of this. And so when we look at media and magazines and journalists, like just constantly taking on an anti-tech narrative uh, for the sake mm -hmm. of it, like, you know, tech deserves criticism. There is, you know, every everybody, like, you know, you look at it, it, it we all deserve a fair share of it. But the entire narrative has become so anti-tech and anti-founders and anti-entrepreneurship. Mm -hmm. And that hurts because there is so much goodness in the world that happens because of, you know, investing in tech and yeah. building innovative products. And for us, this is kind of our way, similar to what you do in the world of basketball, is for us, this is our way to go direct mm -hmm. and get you know people like you, other founders, everybody else to come on our show and tell the story and go direct to the people who are like wanting to listen to them and hear their voices directly. So totally relate to why why yeah. you're doing what you're doing. Yeah, and I think it's podcast, it's Instagram, it's whatever, right? You just own the story, own the narrative. You don't need to go to you know sports center. You just put out a story and it's great. Um, okay, right. switching topics. I want to talk about. Um, you know, finances and money in the world of sports, right? Because I think you've been such a, a massive advocate over the years about like, you know, making sure people get their fair share. And I want to ask kind of a few versions of this. First one is I've been so fascinated in the last few months about like a few things. One, Messi coming, playing for Miami and the deal mm -hmm. that was struck, mm -hmm. right? Like for the first time, him getting a rev share of Apple's mm -hmm. uh, subscription revenue, right? Mm -hmm. Never mm -hmm. been done before, might be a precedent. He turned down you know, rumoredly over a billion dollars from, a, you know, one of the uh, many Saudi teams. We just seen Neymar uh, go there uh, to Saudi. We seen Mbappe turn down an offer where I think Giannis said like, hey, I can, I just look just like him. I can come down there. And, uh, and of course, Ronaldo goes there. I am curious, right? Like, what do you make of all of this? Because you've always been very smart. You all talked about, for example, like LeBron timing his deals with like TV rights and so on and so forth. What do you think of what is happening in the world of soccer, one with Saudi Arabia, but second with the MLS deal? And how do you, what do you think that means for the NBA? Well, I think it just shows the strength of sports globally. Mm -hmm. And at the crux of it all, like what is sports? Like how do we define it? And I've come to define it as community. You know, that was really the foundation of sports it's you know aligning with one another you know setting our differences aside uh, as a community within our community and because we want to go against another community mm -hmm. and then it just spreads uh worldwide in terms of you know what do you stand for what are your values you know uh what are your goals in life and how do we come together as one and then i can do it in a way where it's a respectable manner it doesn't have to be war mm -hmm. you know uh, the olympics and it's like we we, we take pride in our country and 
you know, being able to have the best uh, team work together, communication, you know, all those things, you know, the race to the moon mm-hmm. is, is a very competitive thing. We just saw who went to the uh, southern, what was it? The, the India. South Pole of the India. moon. India. Right? India. Yeah. India. Yeah. India. Right. 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 And, and, <laughs> and, and uh, who's rubber crash the day, a couple days before? The, theirs didn't quite land successfully. Uh, was it Russia? I forgot Israel. who it was. Israel yeah, is a right. couple years ago. Yeah. Trust me, you know, yeah. such a big, it, there's about a billion people who are so thrilled yesterday when, uh, yes. you know, uh, because it's such a big deal for the country. Uh, yeah, and, it, you know, multiple yeah. attempts of uh, which were not successful. It's, you know, the entire country is like been looking at this mission and... Uh, mm-hmm. For like you know, I think yep. for all of India, this is such a big deal because you know even ten years ago, this felt yeah. like so far out and kind of impossible. Right. And so now right. to right. be one of four countries who can do this is just it's yeah. kind of incredible. Yeah, I, but I think for me, you know, and you you kind of talk about this well in your book, right? Like where you talk about like for example, and by the way, book is fantastic. I just say everyone watching this absolutely go buy it. It is like Andre is so interesting in it. Highly, highly recommended. And you talk about like for example your trade from uh, Philly versus how you handle the trade from Denver, right? And I think one of the themes that came across, like you sort of like acknowledging, like, hey, I have real power here, right? Like this is a business, right? And I need to do the right thing for me, my family, my career. And one of the things I think about the Messi deal is it's a recognition of the power of, like, you know, an individual like Messi. By the way, after it's been amazing, he's been like knocking out of the park every yeah. game, obviously, right? But I can totally imagine you know, like a future, even not, I don't want to say future LeBron, like LeBron or, you know, like somebody in the league saying like, hey, like I am kind of like, I am one of the reasons, you know, people are watching these clips on Instagram and, you know, having a more uh, like a proportionate share. Like I, I think it kind of like changes the conversation. Yes. I didn't want to stray too far from the question in terms of, you know, just how powerful sports have become and the athletes are getting bigger and stronger and doing things that have never been done before the game keeps evolving all the games whether it's a uh, football or football whichever country you're in how you find <laughs> the football uh it's uh basketball um you know you're looking at women's soccer slash football has just been hitting out the park you know we had a great world cup this year uh spain was a first time winner you're just showing how we you know the dream team uh was at the forefront the original dream team taking basketball global and then now soccer slash football is having the same effect on America, actually, you know, mm-hmm. where, where, where football internationally and soccer in America uh, has been coming, you know, is growing as a sport here. And I think it started with our women. So uh, it's beautiful to see how our women are starting to get the respect they deserve. And, and, and we were having a discussion and I don't want to get into a gender mm-hmm. uh, conversation, but there are some sports that I prefer to watch the women than the men. Like golf is my favorite sport. But if I want to learn how to be good at golf, I need to watch the women as opposed to watching oh, men exactly. in terms of the funda- the fundamentals. The women, mm-hmm. they don't swing out of their shoes. They don't go crazy. They hit. I think the guy who's number one in uh, fairway accuracy uh, in, a, in the PGA Tour would be 77th on the women's tour. Now, the course may be a little shorter, but the the women are hitting the ball way straighter than the men. You know, mm-hmm. they're, they're more in control of their bodies. They're not over swinging. Uh, everything has a flow and a rhythm to, to it that most amateurs, we need to follow that same formula. But the athlete is also becoming smarter, you know, with more access to information. You know, the inter- internet is just information, you know, and the more information out there, you have to be cautious of what information to take on because the more something you have, the more knowledge you have. Mm-hmm. But I think we're, we're getting smarter with um, understanding business as well. I need to uh, file a patent for this term. Mm-hmm. 
uh, the, the athlete GDP, you know, and just when you really think about that, it's, 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 it's just up there, uh, globally. Um, you look at all the African American athletes in, in the world, I think it's like 5 billion per year. Right. Collective, collective salaries. That's just the salaries, not how much money we actually generate worldwide. Mm-hmm. Uh, you see, uh, you know, technology has actually helped the athlete and team owners with these valuations with core cutting and now you got all the advertisers looking for live eyeballs the the real the place to get it now where you can get a guaranteed number are sporting events mm-hmm. you know and entertainment and um the cable bundles only holding on because of sports but more so mm-hmm. sports and now you're seeing what's going on with Disney and what they want to do with ESPN. Yeah, they're selling off some assets, but there's one asset they're trying to hold on to is ESPN because they understand, you know, how powerful um, the viewers are and how you can sell to them. And I think the athletes have gotten to learn that. And that's why you're starting to see um, Messi doing the deals that he's doing. You're seeing uh, LeBron doing the deals he's doing. Steph Curry doing the deals that he's doing. They're starting to understand like their global effect and how they should rethink the way they're transacting mm-hmm. it's not really transacting anymore it's really taking a piece of the pie yeah. um i want to switch gears because i really want to ask you about this you covered so much of this in your book really well which is just kind of the the mentality that goes into being you know a steph a clay yeah you know alan iverson um one of these people and sports is super interesting because i think in any realm you have people who are just amazing and but you can't see it right like you and i can't see you know the insides of a boardroom or insides of many other domains but in sports right we have a reference point which i think makes these conversations easy in some ways at least there's a version where like okay at least know what you know i can understand and you talk about uh, different kinds of player mentalities. Like, for example, you always been regarded as one of the smarter thinking man's basketball player, right? And one of the things I think you talk about is for a shooter like Steph or Clay, like they don't care whether they are, you know, on fire or they're like zero for ten. They're letting it fly. And I think that's interesting because when you're a founder and you're in a meeting, there's a difference between like, oh this last seven, eight pitch meetings didn't go well versus like, oh, I'm just going to back myself. So I am curious to, to talk about that because I think you talk, what makes a Steph and a Clay when they get the ball and they're open, what is going on in their minds versus maybe a new mere mortal basketball player? It's interesting because, you know, one thing you have to have to be a successful uh, oh, well, successful anything, but as an athlete, one of the more important things is confidence. And I know some guys who could be all the flamers, but they're they're they never got the confidence they needed. And that's why we always talk about how the stars have to be aligned. And it's more just who you are. Sometimes the situation you're in, you know, a lot of more athletes are speaking on that. You know, there's no such thing as a bust. You know, maybe a player wasn't as good as you thought he was going to be, but that's, you You just, maybe you don't evaluate talent well, but a lot of times it's the situation a player may end up in. You know, I always joke, um, or not really joke, I'm serious when I say, you know, you got some athletes, if they had the wrong coach, they may not turn out to who they ultimately could be. You know, sometimes, you know, you have obstacles in your way that won't allow you to block in the, in the manner you should because of the business side. And that's why I always speak on, you know, there's the business side of basketball and there's basketball. And I, you always want the basketball, the actual game, you want the game to just outweigh 
the financial side and and it always have the that's the right balance mm-hmm. where basketball is just just above on the scale of of all the actually this is interesting because you know i think the confidence thing is so important right and one thing for example and i'm not saying this just because i work for him like ben horwich is very good at is you know coming to like a young person you know or somebody earlier even somebody like me and you know just instilling belief even at times when you went Harvard. So you work for, I mean, you played for, sorry, you know, so many of the great coaches uh, and maybe not so great coaches, but great ones like Steve Kerr, et cetera. Um, who do you think has been the best at making people, you know, instilling confidence and maybe tell us a story of how you've seen them do it? Yeah, well, I'll tell the story a few times and it, it's, it's hard not to go back to it, but uh, Mark Jackson mm-hmm. and, you know, I... They in the locker room where Mark Jackson told the entire team, and this is it's understood, but it isn't said enough. Where the head coach lets the entire team know who the man on the team is, and I heard uh, I heard Nate McMillan, uh, and he, he had done it with Brandon Roy, um, and it showed it the way Brandon Roy played. But when Mark Jackson told our entire team who the guy was, Steph Curry is our guy. He's our player. He's our all-star. He's the one that's going to take the big shots. The ball's going to be in his hands. Like, he's the guy where he's the head honcho. There is a hierarchy here, and he sits at the top. And I think that gives Steph a ton of confidence, but also lets everyone know, you know, one thing we won't have an issue with our egos clashing or getting away and saying, who's the guy? Who's the guy? It's interesting because because when I got into the tech space, I started to investing in, in I'm doing fireside chats and I'm talking to teams about winning cultures and, you know, um, how to overcome culture issues. One thing a lot of the founders, CEOs would say is, you know, we have an ego problem here as well. And I will always think, you know, these are the brightest minds in the world. You know, you come from Stanford, you come from Harvard, you come from Ivy League schools. Like, how hard is it to get these guys motivated? And they said, no, the motivation is easy, but they everyone doesn't work so well together like one guy's upset that he didn't get this job or he doesn't have this title and i was like whoa okay this isn't just in sports and so but going back to mark and you know just seeing how he spoke to us about steph and even clay clay if you get the ball and if you can see the rim you have the green light to shoot that doesn't go for everyone else and so just hearing that I'm not one of the green light guys, but I had a new level of respect because it showed me, you know, this is what the coach sees. And we all, the, the, the guys who know, know, but the majority, it's a bunch of guys on a team who they want to play for the next contract or they want to be in the, the, the other guys' positions. And Mark Jackson let it be known. It's like, no, that's not your job here. And we need those guys to be who they ultimately are for that trickle down effect for everyone else to get open looks or to just mm-hmm. um, go along with the engine and how it works for the system and you know I think you you need to hear that more to have a more cohesive and a, and a great sense of you know how the the the, the ins and outs and the keys that success will be for a team yeah, I actually think in some ways it's easier in sports and I'll tell you why because in our world in tech world there is no scorecard right like right. Am, you know so at the end of the day like you know one of the few times I've seen any one of you play I'm like I can never do that. So much of, you know, in tech, you're so abstract or the results could take years and you don't exactly prove that, you know, that somebody like Giannis is, you know, dramatically better than, you know, somebody at the other end. You just can't prove that. So it's a lot harder. I think in sports, at least you're like, well, you know, I, I see why that guy has got the big contract. 
But I think the other yeah. part of it, on the ego side, which I think is really interesting for me, and I think you fit into this, is I've seen many players say they could have been the guy, the franchise player in their mm-hmm. in their team, right? I, I think of like Chris Bosh, for example, as a great example of this, right? Like Bosh, mm-hmm. Toronto, the franchise guy. And then, mm-hmm. you know, and then D-Wade too, right? You know, mm-hmm. the franchise guy from Miami sets their egos aside a little bit, right? Like, and then say, okay, we're going to come together and I'm going to accept the supporting role. Mm-hmm. You know, how how does a player work through that? Do people struggle with that? Because in the business world, somebody's like, well, I don't know. I don't want to be the number two person. I don't want to be the number three person, even though it's the right thing collectively do. How do you think the best players handle it and how have people seen people struggle with it? Well, we can talk about this for hours. Uh, because it's a interest, it's a very interesting debate going on at the moment. How much is the NBA championship worth? Mm-hmm. And you had a guy who made two hundred million for career earnings with one championship, or or no, a guy who made two hundred million no championships, or a guy that made a hundred million with a one championship. And the question is, which guy would you prefer to be? And it's it's it, but it takes away from the reason why we should play. We we should play to win. Um, so there's a fine line because in in athletics, being the first or second option is a world of salary difference from being the fourth or fifth option, hmm. unless you have a special skill set. You know whether you're a great defensive player, a great shot blocker, where you know. But most of the time, offensively, you know the the one and two guys get paid the most, hmm. and so. You're averaging 12 points versus you averaging 20 points could be, that can mean like $80 million. Wow. And so how do you find that balance? Um, and I think why I would, I'm saying this more and more now, winning has become cool again. And I want to take credit for that with the Warriors where we're saying we make, we made winning cool again because we've seen guys sacrifice right. and I was able to sacrifice and win. Don Livingston was able to sacrifice and win, and ex- it extended our careers. Mm. And so you can make it up on the back uh, back end. Udonis Haslam's played twenty years. You know he sacrificed to stay in Miami, but he's been able to make a career of it and play six, seven more years than he would be being the number one option on another team. So we we're, we're trying to figure out how do we, uh, you know, you you can sacrifice but still reap the benefits and, right. and and there's an understanding that you're sacrificed. Now the tough part is, you know, you got guys who are more valuable than their salary would say. And sometimes the team might take advantage of it saying, you know, we know your market value isn't that high because other folks in the league don't understand how valuable you are to us. And so sometimes you have those uh, stories where guys get played way below their market value. Right. So it's a, it's a, it's a tricky situation and uh, hopefully, like I said before, the basketball side, you know, is, is more than just stats. You know, it's your value to the team and, and you can be compensated fairly for that. Um, okay, I know we are almost out of time. So what I'm going to do very quickly, going to give you a rapid fire thing. And this is stuff that I, I want you to be as provocative so we can just cut it out of context and make it go viral, right? Like give you all go the... Crazy. <laughs> go crazy. Go crazy. Okay. All right. Uh, the Dame trade situation. What about it? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. That's good. That's good. Okay. No, 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 no. The, the, the daily trade situation. Very interesting. Um, it's, that's a tough battle as well. You know, uh, E. Kerr and I have had many conversations about this as well. I don't want to throw Steve under the bus, but I, I actually agree with Steve. You know, um, 
But Dame Lillard is one of the top players in the NBA, and he wants to win. And if his organization isn't putting him in a position to win, then why should he have to suffer? And I'm not saying they're not trying to win, but that's normally what it is with superstar players. Like, are we in a position to legitimately have a shot at winning? And right now, the Portland Trailblazers, I would say they aren't, you know. Um, did they make the playoffs last year? No, I don't think they, they didn't make the playoffs yeah. last year. Right. And, um, you know, Dane wants to win. And so, at well, one side, you can't be upset at an athlete uh, wanting to be traded. Uh, but then on the other side, when he's not winning because the team is instead of for him to win, you can't criticize him. So, you can't say he's not a winner and he doesn't want to win or trade and he wants to go somewhere he wants to win. Now you're you're on them for that as well. And so it's just, mm-hmm. you get putting that trick bad there as well. Is Austin Reeves him? Is he him? He's Austin Reeves. No, I like Austin a lot. We're, we're, uh, we've got to know each other a little bit. Um, we're supposed to spend a little bit more time with each other. Uh, he's a big golfer, like really in right. golf. And so uh, when you have a guy in the NBA in the golf, we, we, we're like our own little coat in itself. And so he and I will get together and play mm-hmm. some golf and we can talk trash. He's a lot better than uh, folks thought he was. He's a real basketball player. And that's why I'm a fan of his. Um, and so he's situational. Like some teams, he would average more points than he does. And in other teams, you know, you got some guys that may get in his way. But I think he helps. No matter what team he's on, he's going to help you win. Mm-hmm. which is a tall tale sign of what a real basketball player is. If you can go on every team in the NBA and help them win and be uh, a valuable player, then you're a, you're a real basketball player. He's a real oh, basketball I, player. I just love his story. Okay, final question. Who from the business world uh, do you, you know, can actually maybe hang in there, you know, maybe get a, a one-day contract or can actually, you know, have some skills? <laughs> Let's start with Jeff Jordan. Uh, you know Jeff? Andre, Andre oh, Jeff, Jeff's my guy. You know, Jeff has <laughs> never invited me to his game. I work with him. Right? He's never invited me to his game. Right? Like, I don't know what I have to I, do. You know, you've said this a couple of times. I think you should just let it go. Just yeah, be gosh. graceful about it and let it go. It's, it's, because- oh, so, so Jeff, Jeff's getting older. So it's incredible that he's still able to get up and down the court. And he's a very cerebral player, I can tell. Um, but also... Dean Athanasia, he's the head of regional banking at uh, Bank of America. He's on the uh, top 100 all Yale team. Yeah, boy. Right. Football. There's a, you know, they say uh, a lot of D1 athletes, especially a lot of females, become uh, they're, they're the better uh, marketers in the mm-hmm. business world mm-hmm. um, because they know how to work as a team. They know how to grind. And they know how to problem solve. Um, and so um, BFC, which is the National Women's Soccer mm-hmm. League, new franchise here in the Bay. Um, I'm a part of the uh, ownership group. And um, Cheryl Sandberg has this great initiative on women's leadership and how we're getting young girls into soccer because mm-hmm. there are parallels in Division One uh, athletes and uh, CEOs. And so we want to have more female women mm-hmm. CEOs. And I think that's a great path to get them into sports at a young age, get them to working with mm-hmm. others, problem solving. Uh, learning how to uh, construct the criticism, being leaders. You know, you got to lead. You got to lead by example. And uh, that's a great pipeline. And so I'm really excited about that initiative. You know, I just want to point out that Andre took a question where I wanted him to trash talk Jeff. 
and turned it into this inspiring answer <laughs> about, you know, female CEOs. You're, you're so good at this. Okay, Andre, I'm going to let you go. Where do people find you online? What are you doing that you should check out? Like, you know, obviously the podcast coming back in October, that you said, season three. With, What's the plug? Yeah, tell us. Yeah, give us things. a plug. Yeah. Uh, so I think October 2nd is a drop date for Point Four Season 3. Uh, we've had some amazing conversations. Uh, we're headed to uh, New York for Fashion Week, Men's Fashion Week, where, you know, business is booming there for athletes. You got PJ Tucker, you got Russell Westbrook, you got James Harden, you know, some of the, all the top athletes are really getting into fashion with the brands. And um, that's that's a new athlete GDP in itself as well. Wow. And how we've been inspired and how we're leading the charge there. Michael Jordan's been great at that, but um, point four is on the way. Um, got something big in the work. I'm going to work with one of the top uh, producers in entertainment on a project I'm super excited about. And it's based around athletes and finance. I'm really looking forward to that one. Um, I have a really good meeting. Today's this day. Tomorrow I have a big meeting uh, on it with a writer. And so Wow. All um, right. Good tease. Yeah, right yeah, 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 yeah. That right. best year is out, but that one I'm looking <laughs> forward to. That oh my goodness! But I'm, 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 I'm getting this. I'm getting to work. There's a uh, also uh, the fund. We we closed fund one May first, and so we've been deploying capital for about a year now. So I'm super, super excited about the fund. Uh, so I'm busy. I, I'm in a dog out at home because I'm, I'm too busy. <laughs> Okay. Maybe I should do something with my wife. We get a job together. Yeah, do, do a podcast. Together. I love it. Um, yeah. But I, 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 I just want to say thank you so much for doing She's this. She's right now. That's a title. Of the <laughs> I like it. I like it. Yeah, thank you so much for doing this. And look, I, I, I'm not just saying this to blow hot air, right? Every time we had a conversation, I've just found you so genuinely just so fascinating to talk to, so curious about our world. And honestly, you know, I could just, I could not have known that you're a basketball player because you could just be a full-time, you know, investor and, you know, you can get a job at Anderson Horowitz anytime if you ever wanted. But, uh, no, thank you so much. This was a blast. This was amazing. It was really great fun. I'm keeping, I'm keeping this recording just to know I got to always, I tell my wife, I got a job. There you go. Oh, anytime. <laughs> okay, so, so, all right. Thank you so much, Andre.